Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So how many know that that's some great news? But, 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 how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And that's really what we've been asking for the last four weeks. And we conclude today, but the last four weeks is, is that, listen, those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call? they don't believe and how can they believe unless someone unless they hear and how can they hear unless someone tells them can I tell you some great news today there are people waiting to hear the good news of God but if no one tells them they will never hear what they want to hear which is the greatest news on the face of the planet which is that Jesus Christ came to seek and save those that have been lost he died for our sins he lived the kind of life that we could not live he died the death that we should have died and because of that we have abundant life is there anybody grateful for the abundant life that we have in Christ Jesus and so uh, I want to point out that we've been praying for three people you can put this, for the last four weeks, we've been praying for three specific people, whoever, whoever they are in your context. And so the goal is that for these four weeks, we've been praying for these people, we've been fasting, we've been asking God to soften the soil of their heart, so then when we speak to them, that they will be receptive to the gospel. And so... I don't know who the three people that God has called you to tell the good news to. But now is the time, we've been praying for them up until this point, but now is the time that we're going to extend an invitation. Now is the time where we're going to speak to them about Jesus. And I want to encourage you today because God has empowered each and every one of you to share the greatest message known to man. And so you might be scared, you might be shy, but you've been praying. And so that heart has been softened because... Now they're ready to receive the, so, the seed that is going to be planted. Amen? And so today we're going to dive into two scriptures. And you can go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And here's where, we, where we're going to conclude today. I, I just want to keep it real simple today. And I, and I want to be honest. This may not be a holler back message. You know what I'm talking about? This, is not my, my, mm-hmm. this might not be one of the messages, all right? But it will be a message that if you walk out of here, man, you will be so encouraged and empowered to make a difference in someone else's life. Amen? And so Jesus' last words, Jesus dies on the cross. He resurrects on the third day. And the Bible says that Jesus spends 40 days on earth. And right before he ascends to heaven, here's what he tells his disciples. He says... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will tell people about me in Jerusalem and in all the Judea and Samaria. And yet, and, and you will even tell other people about me from one end of the earth to the other. And so what is Jesus saying? He said, hey, listen, you've been empowered to go share 
the news about me. And so many times we're like, well, how can I share the good news about me? Well, I also want to use a case study today in John chapter 9, where even the most unqualified person shared what Jesus has done in their life. So maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I'm not qualified to share the good news. Well, I want to encourage you that even a blind man who just encountered Jesus was able to share not everything he knew, not all the details they need, that, needs, that need to be known, but he shared his experience. Amen? John chapter 9. And it says, Jesus told him, go wash in Siloam pool. Seleon means sent. So the man went to the pool, washed, and came back, and he was now able to see. Now look what takes place. A great miracle has just taken place. And it says, his neighbors and some others who had seen him begging said, Look, is this the same man who always sits and begs? Some people said, yes, he's the one. But others said, no, he can't be the same man. He only looks like him. So the man himself said, I am the same man. And they asked, what happened? How did you get your sight? He answered, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And then he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed. And then I could see. How many praise God for miracles? Amen. Help me pray. Father, we just, we just know that you're going to speak today, oh God. I pray, Lord, that this message may be much more than just information that our ears are hearing. But that this word, oh God, may be exactly what we need to hear to change the world around us. It is in your precious name that we pray. Amen and amen. Can we make some noise in this house one more time? I want, to give you, I want to give you the title to today's message. The title to today's message, if you're taking notes, write this down. Fresh haircuts and evangelism. Fresh haircuts and evangelism. And, and I want to be honest. I don't know about you, but I, I'm going to need some help from the fellas today. But uh, I, I want to explain this to you. There is something absolutely insane. There's something that there's nothing like... There's nothing that will make us feel like a million bucks than getting a fresh haircut. <laughs> nothing. Nothing in this world. I, I'm telling you, you could have 101 fever. Get a fresh haircut. You'll feel better. I'm telling you, you could lose your job and get fired for the, for the weirdest excuse. You take your last paycheck. You drive yourself to the barber shop, and you get yourself a fresh haircut. And you're going to feel better. I'm telling you, you're, you could have the biggest fight with your wife. You get yourself a fresh haircut and you're going to feel like a million bucks. I'm telling you, you break up with your girlfriend. You go to the haircut, the, the barber shop. You get yourself a haircut. Take a selfie. Put it on Instagram. Hashtag it. The best things are yet to come. And you're going to feel better if you get a fresh haircut. There's just something so amazing about getting a fresh haircut. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, you can feel terrible. 
But you get yourself a fresh haircut. Woo, man, you walk in, you start. And listen, I understand that there are some men that cannot understand because your barber has been called life and you have a permanent haircut. And so we're praying for you right now. Your hairline has gone to the 50-yard line. But listen. That wasn't right, Pastor Rowe. That wasn't right. I, how could you say that? Someone shout fresh haircuts and evangelism. And I, listen, I, I understand. I get it. But, but, but I think a part of it is that we have this emotional attachment with not only getting haircuts, but let's be honest. Men, we got some emotional attachment with our barbers. Like there's something, like you don't get this with your mechanic. You don't get this with the cash register. You just get this with your barber. Like, like, sometimes it's easier to break up with your girlfriend than it is to break up with a barber. Like, listen, you break up with your barber, I'm, if you go missing, I know who to find. Right? Because there's this emotional connection that you have with a barber. Like, you cannot cheat on your barber. Your barber, and now we have online, if you take a picture after you got a haircut with some other barber, your barber will troll you online. And tell you in front of everybody, that lineup is messed up. You should have came to me. Am I telling the truth, church? And so, and so I got to be honest, like you can't, this is, this, is, this is beyond. We need some deliverance right here, like to break up with our, with our barber. He will come up to you and let me tell you, and you know, you know because you'll duck your barber. You get a haircut with someone else, you ducking your barber, like... Ooh, I can't go to, I gotta, I gotta wait till I grow this. Because the moment you sit in that chair once again, you know what's gonna happen, right? He's gonna tell that he didn't give you the last haircut. And now he's gonna have to school you why you should never go to a bar. Like, he'll t like what did I do to you? What, like, did, did I do something wrong? Did I mess up your hairline? Like, what happened? And then you gotta break the news down to him. You gotta be like, see what happened was that one? You weren't around one day? You weren't around. And, and Felipe was, was open. See, some of you guys have the audacity to go to a different barber in the same barber shop. And that right there is the unforgivable sin. When Jesus says you'll blaspheme the Holy Spirit, he's talking about that right there. <laughs> and so, you just got to break it down to, yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, I, I just, you know, he used, the, he used the warm foam on my neck. And once he used the warm foam on my neck, it was, I'm sorry, one thing led to another and he just became my permanent barber. <laughs> And I got to be honest, I, I, there was one time in my own life that, that my barber wasn't available and I needed to get, you know what I mean? Like I needed to, you know what I'm saying? I needed to walk like, what's up? Like you, you know what I mean? And so what I did is I, I went to the barbershop down the block from me. Now, now I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling you the story for a reason. I went to the barbershop down the block from me, never been to these guys. But I sat down on a chair. I had to wait. I didn't have no appointment. I had to wait. And I got my, my, myself a haircut, and I was getting a haircut, and there was a conversation. How many of you guys know that there are some interesting conversations that take place in a barbershop? The greatest philosophical, philosophical arguments take place in a barbershop. Like, like your barber thinks they're the, like the guru of life. Like, bro, just shut up and give me my haircut, man. Let me tell you something about, no, anyway. <laughs> and so... Uh, I'm in the chair, and, and the conversation is taking place, and everybody's talking, everybody's conversing, and, and the question comes up, hey, hey, yo, 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 right, it's true that all men are cheaters. All men say, boo, right, like, no, nah, the devil is a lie, right? 
And, and so the conversation is going on and, and every barber is, is giving their opinion. And let me tell you something. There was about seven barbers in that shop and each and every one of them was saying, yeah, man, I'm, let, me tell you, let me tell you why old men are cheaters. And, and then the next guy comes in and like, yeah, man, all men are cheaters. Whether in one way or another, all, no, no man could be faithful. And then the next guy comes in and, and, and then they're conversing and they're, they're asking the people on the chair. And I'm just there minding my own business, you know what I mean? I'm just there like, whew. All right, just cut my hair. I'm almost done. And then they, and my, the barber that is cutting my hair, who I've never spoken to, looks at me and he says, Hey, you, what do you think? And I said, Lord, you're trying to set me up right here, aren't you, right? You're going to set me up. And, and you know what I did? I said, I said, hey, man, to be honest, can I give you, you, want, you really want to know what I think? Are you sure you want to know what I think? And he said, yeah, man, what do you think? Uh, right, all, all men have, like, all, no, one could, no man could be faithful. And I said, I got to be honest with you. I disagree with you. I do believe men could be faithful. I don't believe old men are cheaters. I do believe a man could stick with one woman because he loves her that much. And, and you know what was the next question? And this is, where, this is where I really want to get at. This is the point I want to make today is that when I gave him that answer, he goes, are you a Christian? Do you love Jesus? Do you go to church? And I got all these questions. And guess what that created? That created an amazing opportunity to present my story with this individual. You know what I didn't tell him? I didn't tell him, hey, listen, you got to start reading the Bible. I didn't tell him, hey, listen, you got to repent of your sins or you're going to go to hell. I didn't tell him, hey, listen, turn or burn. I didn't tell him any of those things. I simply told him, hey, listen, this is my story. This is how God changed my life. And this is why. You know why I don't cheat? Because I don't want to. And you know why I don't want to? Because God changed my heart. And you know why God changed my heart? Because I placed my faith in him. And so now, now, I want us to consider this for a second because this is what evangelism is about. I think sometimes we complicate evangelism and we complicate being a witness and we complicate sharing the gospel. But the gospel, the gospel can be shared and it's as simple as being in a barber shop and talking about Jesus. It's as simple as ladies being in the salon and getting your hair did. <laughs> getting your hair did. And, 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 and sharing with your, your, I forgot what they call them, the salontrist or the beatrice or whatever. Anyhow, don't correct me in public. The devil is a... The, it's as simple as being in a barbecue. And he's eating some vegan burgers. And, and uh, <laughs> eating some, okay, eating some dead flesh. And they can't be trusted. Eating eat, and, and, and conversing about Jesus and, and talking to people about Jesus. And, and sometimes it doesn't have to be awkward or it doesn't have to be offensive and it doesn't have to be crazy and it doesn't have to be, it could just be you getting a haircut and talking to someone about what God has done in your life. It could just be you eating a cheeseburger and a soda and some fries and talking to people about God. It could be you in a family setting and just talking to people about what God has done in your life. That's what evangelism is. 
I think sometimes we read verses like Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we get just a totally different picture. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will tell people about me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Or this version says, and you will even tell other people about me from one end of the earth to the other. Guess what? Can I, can I be honest with you? Sharing the gospel doesn't have to be awkward. Sharing your story doesn't have to be offensive. Sharing what God has done in your life doesn't have to be this crazy thing. I think sometimes we get the wrong picture about telling others about Jesus. And I think sometimes we think it looks a little what we've seen in our own social circles. And I think when we've taken the ferry or we got on the train and we think that sharing the gospel when, oh, man, I sharing the gospel, that means i got to get a bullhorn. And if i got to get a bullhorn, then I gotta, that means i got to learn how to speak. And then i got to guess, nah, that's sharing the, I think when Jesus says go into the world, he's not telling you to take a trip into Jerusalem. He's not telling you to go to Samaria and Judea. What Jesus is saying and the writers of this book are saying is, listen, how about you share about me in your world? How about you share in your Jerusalem? What's your Jerusalem? Those around you. What, what is your Judea and Samaria? Maybe your friends and, and family members. What is, what is the ends of the earth? Maybe it's the strangers that you don't know. Maybe it's your barista at Starbucks. Maybe it's your Uber driver. Uber drivers could be trusted. Amen. And share the gospel with your Uber driver. I think sometimes we think it looks like this. Look. Happy New Year. Turn or burn. We think we got to get a suit and a tie and get that big black Bible and stand outside with a bullhorn. And please understand, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not mocking these people, but I'm just saying I, th- I want to disconnect you from the picture of evangelism, evangelism that looks like this. Someone shout haircuts, fresh haircuts and evangelism. Someone say it again. Say fresh haircuts and evangelism. The ladies could say, get your hair did. And evangelism. It, it doesn't need to look like this. I think sometimes we lead, uh, and can I be honest, can, if you're here for the first time and you've experienced condemnation and negativity and you've experienced some form of judgment from people that call themselves representatives of Jesus Christ, can I, on behalf of the church are at large, apologize and say I'm sorry that we've misrepresented our heavenly Father, can I just say I'm sorry, but as for this church and this house and this body, we're going to choose every single time to lead with love. We're going to choose every single time to lead with grace. We're going to choose every single time to lead with care. Come on, if you believe that in this house, you ought to give God praise in this place. So many times if it's not like this, we, we just think it's... Oh, I just, I just got to be, I, I, I can't share, I can't share my story. I, I can't talk to people about God. I can't just, it's going to be a little, uh, yeah. you know, I just, it's, it's personal. It's, you know, it's, it's supposed to, you know, let's, to each their, to each their own. And, you know, you believe that, I believe this. And you stay there, I stay here. And 
that's fine. I go to this church and fine and, you know, okay, that's okay. But I want to tell you today, and if you're taking notes, write, write this down. That your faith, put this, your faith was always meant to be personal, but it was never meant to be private. Your faith was always meant to be personal, but it was never meant to be private. And I think so many times we, we think personal means private, but yes, it's personal salvation. Yes, God came and he rescued you. And, and if you put your faith in Jesus, you are rescued. But let me tell you, it doesn't mean that you're supposed to lock yourself in a room and sing kumbaya and just lift up the name. I will call upon your name. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And he's telling you, you need, you need to go and be the light. You never heard God sing to you? That's what he sounds like. <laughs> Listen, your faith was always meant to be personal, but it was never meant to be private. And I, I know I've heard so many people, I need to feel led to speak to people about Jesus. Listen, if you need to feel led, then touch the tip of a pencil and go talk to someone about Jesus. You didn't get that? Feel led? Anyhow. I used to be a rapper. Oh, I'm not a rapper. Talk to someone about God. Share them your story. It doesn't have to be awkward and it doesn't have to be offensive. Can you write that down? Sharing your faith doesn't have to be awkward and it doesn't have to be offensive. Yes, your faith is personal, but it's never meant to be private. And so I've heard so many people say, and maybe you're here today, and you say, well, I'm not qualified. I, I just don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I, you don't have to worry about me, Pastor Roll. I'm never going to be out there with a bullhorn because I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, that's not me. I, I just come to church. I'll sing my kubaya songs. I'll see Lisa jump up and down from here, and I will be on my way. I am good. But God has entrusted us with the greatest responsibility. Because the Bible says that he has reconciled the world to himself and he has entrusted us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we ought to go and tell others about what he's done in our lives. Maybe you don't feel qualified, but what if I told you there was a man in the Bible that just met Jesus and began to share about Jesus? Can you imagine that? He just met Jesus and he started talking to people about Jesus. He just encountered Jesus. He didn't even get to see Jesus yet, but he started talking about him. Jesus heals this man, and this man never sees Jesus physically with his eyesight. He saw the haters first, and he started speaking even to the haters about this man that healed his life. And the Bible says that the disciples are walking around in John chapter 9, and the disciples are walking around, and as they're walking on their tour... They approach this man who is blind. And what they tell Jesus, they say, Jesus, now this, 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 is, this is just classic religion right here. Uh, Jesus, <clears throat> who sinned, this man or his parents? Uh, this, why is he blind? Is it, is it this man or his parents? And the Bible says that Jesus goes like this. He says, oh, this didn't happen because he sinned or his parents sinned. And I wish I have another sermon in, entitled, I forgot what it's entitled, but I have another sermon. You can hear it on the podcast one day, but it's amazing. Anyhow. And I get, but I just want to hit the pause button real quick 
And I want to let you know that what if the thing that you're going through right now, <laughs> other people looking at you and they say, oh, that's because of this and that's because of that. But Jesus says this. He says, he says this didn't happen because he sinned or his parents sinned. This happened so that my glory will be manifested in his life. What? What? Wait, wait. Oh, this happened not because you failed, not because you made a mistake. This happened because my glory is about to be manifested in your life. I don't know about you, but maybe you're going through something today. Maybe you're going through a, a difficult situation and no one seems to understand. Even you have placed condemnation on yourself and you're saying, well, this is a result of this. I could have done this better. And I came to tell you today on this Sunday morning, it's not because you sinned. It's not because you failed. It's not because you made a mistake. It's because Jesus is about to show up in your life. Jesus is about to manifest his glory in your life. Come on. I dare you to give God a praise in this house. He goes and he says, this is so that the glory of God will be manifested in your life. And then this happens. And this is where I'm like, Jesus, why? The Bible says that Jesus spits on the ground. Now, I was raised Pentecostal. And I'm like, Jesus, this is a little bit too much. I done seen everything in the Pentecostal realm. Like, why don't you get a bucket of Wesson oil and just throw it on the man? Like, why don't you just blow on him and he'll get healed? Like, why don't you get three ushers, put your hands on his forehead, let him be slain, let him do a couple of backflips, and then he'll be healed. No, you know what he does? He goes. <laughs> I look at the blind man, he like. Oh, man, the glory, is a, a glory of God is about to glow. Ooh, ooh, I like that man right there. Ooh, yeah. He opened his eyes for that one. Come again? And, 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 and I don't know about you, but it takes a whole lot of spit to make mud. And this is not, some people are like, yeah, but it was anointed spit. No, spit is spit. Some people rather get punched in the face than get spit in the face. You know what I'm talking about. Your spit is so nasty that the moment it leaves your mouth, you won't put it back into your mouth. That's how nasty that is. It lives in your mouth, but if you release it from your mouth, it will not go back in your mouth. That's how nasty your spit is. And Jesus goes, can I pause? What if your blessing came packaged in the form of? What if your blessing came packaged in the form of? I like, the, I like the other part. This happened because the glory of God is about to be mad and manifested in my life. Woo! <laughs> I'm sorry for whoever holds this mic after me. I don't know what's going to happen. And the Bible says that he spits on the ground. He makes mud out of the dirt. And he places it in this man's eyes. And this is where we pick up. And it says, Jesus told him, go and wash in Siloam pool. Siloam means scent. Oh, man, this is so good right here. Ah, Siloam means scent. Do you know he was sent with dirt in his face? So next time you see someone with dirt in their face, don't judge them. They're just being sent by God. Anyhow, anyhow that's for His neighbors and some others who had seen him begging said, look, is this the same man who always sits and begs? Oh, this is so good right here. 
Is this the same man who always sits and begs? Some people said, yes, he is the one. But others said, no, he can't be the same man. He only looks like him. So the man himself said, I am the same man. And they asked, what happened? How did you get your sight? He answers, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And then he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went there and I washed and now I can see. And I want you to write this down right now. God's evidence, when it comes to evangelism, God's evidence will always be greater than your explanations. God's evidence in your life will always be greater than the explanations that you have for people. Did you hear what took place? He's trying to explain as best as he can who Jesus is and what he did. But the greatest speaker in this man's life was not his words, but it was the work of God manifested in his life. And so it was God's evidence in his life that spoke greater. See, they, they were able to rebuttal his explanation, but they weren't able to rebuttal what God did in his life. And I want to tell you, when it comes to evangelism, fresh haircuts and evangelism is just like this. Sometimes what God's, God's evidence in your life will speak more to people than whatever you can ever tell them. See, I, I love it because the people that know me now can't believe who I used to be. And the people that know me of who I used to be can't believe who I am today. You know why? Because God's evidence in my life is greater than what I could ever say. And that's the kind of church that God is looking for. He's looking for those that will speak louder with the life that they model than the words that they express. And God is not saying, listen, I need you to get eloquent words before you speak. I just need you to model what I've done in your Life. I need that if you were blind, that you need to walk around seeing. I need to know that if you were addicted, that you start walking around free. I don't know if there's anybody in this place that can say, man, I once was blind, but now I see. That was the man that was always, look at the word it says, that was the man that was always begging, sitting and begging. That was the man that was always sitting and begging. See, they were, they, were, they, were, they were corresponding with him based upon who they knew him to be, even though the evidence of God had already taken place in his life. And they were able to rebuttal everything he was saying, but they weren't able to rebuttal the fact that this man was always sitting and begging. And guess what? Now he's not sitting and begging. Now he's standing, walking, and seeing. So let, let them say, oh, is that, oh, that, that's, oh, that's Lee. She the one that used to be in the club. They used to call her Cardi Lee. And she used to be what, the one in the club. And she used to be dancing. And she used to be doing, oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's who I used to be. But that's not who I am. Oh, that's Frank. Oh, he used to be the one that, oh, no, 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 no. That's who I used to be, but that's not who I am. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's her. Oh, that's her. Oh, she the one with, oh, no. She's the one that had relational issues. Guess what? No, that's who I was, but that's not who I am. Come on, is anybody that is grateful in this house for what God has done in your life? Come on, Kuhau. 
God's evidence will always be greater than your explanation. Look what Paul says. Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I told you the secret truth of God. But I did not use fancy words or great wisdom. I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. I'm good. I'm taking a sweat bath of anointing right now. Uh, Francis of Assisi says this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Now, now what is he saying? Is he saying don't use words? Uh, Peter says you ought to be prepared to give an explanation, to give a response for the faith that you hold on to. This is what Peter says, but let, let's not get it twisted. Your life does more of the speaking than the words you say. And God is saying, listen, you want to reach people around you? Let them look at you and see the evidence of my power being manifested in your life. When you do things differently, when you do, listen, this guy was, can you imagine the way this blind man walked? This blind man walked like this. So the moment Jesus healed his eyes, guess what? He was walking different. See, the evidence, this is why they were. They had this, 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 this confusion, like, I don't understand. We're so used to seeing him walk around with a stick, but he no longer holds the stick. He's no longer walking around trying to figure himself out. He's walking like he knows where he's going. And guess what? The reason he knew he was, he was going is because now he can see better. And the reason that he could see better is because he encountered Jesus Christ. So, yeah, explanations are so important. But they don't do the heavy lifting. What does the heavy lifting is the evidence of God in your life. And the story continues because look what it continues to say. It says in verse 12, they asked him, where is this man? He answered, I don't know. Then the people brought the man to the Pharisees. The day Jesus had made mud and healed the man's eyes was the Sabbath. So the Pharisees asked the man, how did you get your sight? He answered, he put mud in my eyes, I washed, and now I can see, duh. Verse 24, fast forward to verse 24, 12 verses later. So the Jewish leaders called the man who had been blind. They told him to come in again. And they said, you should honor God by telling the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. And the man answered, I don't know if he's a sinner but I do know this, I was blind, and now I see. They were harassing this man. They were getting on this man's case about who was it that set him free. And you know what he did? He didn't have all the answers. And sometimes we, need, we think that we need to know all the answers before we talk to people about what God has done in our life. And I want to just give you permission today to say, I don't know. If I don't know is going to get in the way of telling people about Jesus, today you have permission to not know everything that you need to know. But what you can do is share your story. Because write this down. Sharing your story will always be greater than winning an argument. Yeah. 
sharing your story will always be greater than winning an argument. And for so long, man, we have thought that what we need to do is become good at arguing with people about our faith. And get it, can I tell you something? They could take away your argument. They can win your argument. But God didn't call us to win arguments. God called us to win souls. And though they can take away your argument, they can never take away your story. And so many times it's like, well, if I speak to a Muslim about Jesus, then I need to know everything about the Quran. And I need to know everything about Leviticus and Exodus and all the books of the Bible. And, and I need to know. No, you know what they can't take away from you? You know how I minister to those of different religious, religious groups? I just tell them what Jesus means to me. And they can't take that away. But guess what? Like we shared last week, we begin to open up their appetite for this person that has done so much in your life. Listen, and look what he says. He said, listen, 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 I don't know. I, I just, well, who's this Jesus? Is he a sinner? Is he a prophet? Who is he? Is he a son of God? Who you say he is? Tell us the truth. Come on, come on. And he's like, I, 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 I don't know. I was blind, and I, I heard, and oh, boom, my eyes open. I can see. But, but, but is, a, is, a, is he a sinner? Is he, is he a sinner? Is he, is he a problem? Listen, I, I don't know. I just know that I was, I was on the floor and I was sitting. And then I, I heard a and it put mud in my face. And I walk it down to the block. I wash it my face. And now I was blind. But now I see. And I want to let you know today that you can say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know. Do you know what happened to the dinosaurs? No. Do you know if God created aliens? No. How did Noah fit all those animals into the boat? I don't know. How can Jesus be God and man at the same time? I don't know. Are you humans coming from monkeys? I don't know. What do you know then? What is it? I don't know, but I once was blind. But now I see. I don't know if we evolved from monkeys. I don't know if there's aliens. I don't know how Noah fit all those animals into the park, into the ark. But I know this, that I used to be an addict. I used to be on drugs. I used to be addicted to porn. I used to be bad at relationships. But now I was blind. But now I see. Come on. Is there anybody grateful in this place that is able to say, I don't know everything in Leviticus, but I know what God has done in my life. I don't know if it's spit that's coming out of me or sweat, but one or the other is anointed. I want to give you this last point because I don't want you to walk out of here inspired to do something and not have the handles to do it. And so I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. And here's where I want to close. The last point is this. Write this down. God's reward will always be greater than people's rejection. God's reward would always be greater than people's rejection. In John 9, verse 34, it says, the Jewish leaders answered, you were born full of sin. Are you trying to teach us? And they told the man to get out of the synagogue and stay out. Sometimes because we are afraid of rejection, we miss out on the reward it is to see someone to come to Jesus. But God's reward will always be greater than people's rejection.
and, and listen, I, I understand. I know, listen, being rejected, it's, it's a terrible feeling. But, but I think sometimes we're like, you know what? 80% of the reason we don't share our faith with people, 80% of the reason we don't share our faith with people is because it's awkward. It's awkward. Pastor, I don't know, man. It's just like, ah, uh, like you, you really like. I'm, I'm, I'm really supposed to talk to people about God and what He's done in my life. Like, I, we're, we're eating cheeseburgers at a barbecue. You want me to talk, open up, and start? Oh, we're at the barber shop, and you want me to? We're at the, bar, we're playing basketball. I, I, I gotta really. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of it getting awkward and we're so afraid of rejection that we miss out on the reward of seeing a life come to Jesus Christ. You know why this church has become so good at reaching people? The reason this church has been so good at reaching people because the church, this church has all been filled with people that didn't know God and now know God. This is not filled with church transfers. This is not filled with people that come from other churches. No, it just came from people that didn't know God and the message of the gospel was shared. And when the message of the gospel was shared, they gave their life to Jesus and they got baptized. And what if we would have said, ah, just, ah that just might get a little awkward, you know. I don't want, I don't want it to get awkward between us. And You know what awkward means? Awkward means without grace. <laughs> when someone walks awkward, they, they walk without grace. And, and I know that that's a different meaning. But I just thought it was so fitting for, for this. Because I think when you've experienced grace, awkwardness shouldn't be an issue. Rejection shouldn't be an issue. I want to be... The next time I get my hair cut, the next time I'm at a barbershop, the next time I'm getting coffee, I'm not going to stand outside with a bullhorn or be on the train. And No, that's not what I'm saying for, that God is calling you, but God is calling you not just to fill a chair. He's calling you to fill the chair next to you. Uh, I, I can't talk to a, I can't, a Muslim, Jehovah Witness, a Catholic. I, I can't talk to them about... Jesus, because then it's going to get awkward and they're going to reject me. I can't talk about a sinner because, you know, then they're going to feel condemned. And, and many times we condemn sinners. And I'm like, do you know that sinners sin? Like, like people apologize to me when, when I'm around, like, a crowd that doesn't know Jesus and they start cursing or they start drinking and they're like, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'm like, dude, like, I'm not trying to correct someone's behavior. I'm not trying to correct your behavior. I'm trying to get you to believe in the one that I love. And when you believe in the one that I love, your behavior will change. And so maybe we're like fighting this rejection. I just don't want it. But, but Jesus was rejected on our behalf. Jesus was crucified on our behalf. And I'll finish with this. When I gave my life to the Lord, hear me. This is what did it for me for whatever reason. When I gave my life to the Lord, I was 17 years old and I remember I was like this. 
in a youth service. And I remember the Holy Spirit told me this. He said, there are people, I was 17 years old, in a youth group. He said, there are people that will never hear my message because it doesn't come out of your mouth. There are people that will never hear my message because it's not coming out of your mouth. I don't know why that did it for me. That was it. That, I, I just, that I knew from that moment on that I was going to serve God no matter what. Even if I failed, even if I fell, even if no matter what happened to me, I will never stop following Jesus and getting others to do the same. So I, I want to encourage you today by not just inspiring you to share your message, but I want to give you some handles on how you can do it on a weekly basis. On a weekly basis, you can start helping share the message of the good news. And I just want to give you three practical ways. Can you, can you put that up on the screen? No, the three practical ways. Number one, flyers and invitation cards. You know how simple it is to have a pack of flyers? Do you know that Sherry is here today because we took a flyer and we gave it to her while she was on a stoop? And she, today she serves on our love team? Do you know that Vernon is here? You know why? Because he found a flyer in his building and he just said, I'm going to visit. And now he's here and his family's here. It was a flyer. Listen, sometimes we're like, we like, we underestimate the flyer. And God is saying, don't underestimate what I put in your hands. And so how can you help? How can you help? How can you share the gospel? How can you witness to people? Make it your business to invite by giving a flyer. Here, man. I just want to invite you. There are people that have held on to a flyer for a month and have not come until two months later, but they finally come. And they hear the gospel, they get baptized, and they serve the kingdom of God. The second thing is social media. Let me tell you, if the apostle Paul was around today, he'll be hashtagging everything. He'll be trending on Twitter. He'll be trending on YouTube. Social media, what does that mean? Man, I think we... We make so many things go viral, but what if we made the gospel go viral? <laughs> what if we made positivity go viral? So many things go viral. So many negativity goes viral. What if we made the gospel go viral? What if every time uh, we shared a post on, your church family shared a post on Instagram, you said, hey, man, I'm going to repost that. I repost. I have enough selfies. Come on, somebody. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share on social media at least once a week. Is, is that too much? Can I get an amen here? Is that too much right there? And lastly, our five-year anniversary, we want to present the gospel to as many people as possible. And so I want to encourage you that the three people that we've been praying for, that we now make the invitation. And we say, hey, I want to invite you to come July 8th to my church. And let me tell you, I, I guarantee you at least one of those three people will come. Can we get up on our feet for a second and close eyes? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. 
Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.